Dazzler's Craft. Handcraft custom trainers designed in-house. From your favourite football team or player to that band you've always loved. Dazzler'sCraft.co.uk Welcome to My Best Eleven podcast. Today we are joined by a striker uh, from the northeast of England. Played for the start of his career at his hometown club, um, unless he supports Gateshead. Um, went on to no, Newcastle, <laughs> Newcastle to Swansea to Hartlepool. Chelsea spent a bit of time down south in Brentford, then worked his way back up north, Port Vale, Lincoln, and finished his career back at Hartlepool. Today we are joined by Joe Allen. How are you, Joe? I'm very good, Andrew. Thank you. Thank you. How are you? Good, thank you very much. You look well, where you been? You look well, where you been in hospital? Do you know what? I don't know what to say. Mark, I'll let you I'll let you introduce Joe. <laughs> yeah, Andrew, this is gonna be like a, a bit different to some of the ones we've done before. Um oh, this will be funny. <laughs> How do I, right, okay, how do I know Joe? Well, probably met Joe numerous times on the back posts during games, but what I will say, he's very aggressive, but I've all, he was always fair, right? Always fair, and I, that's what I loved about Joe. It was obviously through mutual friends over the years, we've met each other and got to know each other, so it's fantastic to have him on the show. And thank you for them words, Marvin, because at the same time, you were not only a good player, a great player, but a lovely, lovely guy as well. But I'm not being funny. You've got to get the skis off when you go to the bar because you're that tight, you wouldn't spend Christmas. I mean, you look under your bed to see if you've lost any sleep. Ah, I tell you, my God, but it's lovely to speak to you. Are you telling me that when it came to the rounds, Marv's got short arms and long pockets? Like that. He got bit by a barmaid when he was younger. <laughs> he was that tight, right? When we stayed together one night, he was that tight. He turned the gas off when he turned the bacon over. <laughs> You're a fine one to talk. You've got that little puffer jacket on. Put the heating on, right? I can send you some money to give you some money to put some more into the meter. You've got that little yeah. puffer jacket on. Come on. It's Newcastle upon time, Marvin. It's not Florida, right? <laughs> Have you seen outside? It's, it's no, lashing I haven't. Down, right? Is it really? Is it really? Oh, well, whatever happens in Newcastle... We still right, might have the true. coldest weather, but we've always got the warmest hearts. That's true. Very true. So, we are here to talk about Joe's best 11 players he's ever played yeah. with. He's going to go through them um, one by one. Myself and Marv are going to have a go at guessing, see how far we get with that. And we'll give it a go. We'll give it a go. Um, and the guests yeah. at home, guests at home in their car or on the train, wherever it is, they can also guess along as they go. So, I'm going to go straight over to you, Joe. What formation have you picked yeah, for your best 11? I've got one at the back and nine up front. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm 4-4-2. I'm 4-4-2. Four, 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 Traditional 4-4-2. Four, four, a two. man of tradition. Yeah. Is that what you like? Well, Whatever them four behind you and then four in front of you and then two up front, you're not going to get any service, are you? And Marvin <laughs> wouldn't have gotten a game, would he, playing on the wing? <laughs> So we've got to bring him in somewhere along the line. <laughs> so we'll jump straight in. Goalkeepers, you must have been. Yeah. A bit, you must have. You must know some crazy goalkeepers in your time. 
I'm crazy. Their goalkeepers and centre forwards have got this thing where it's love and hate. You know, it's like when you're married. It's like one of them. One day she hates you, the next day she loves you. But when the goalkeepers, when you meet them, if you do something in training, training like Marvel tell you, if you chip them, they chase you on the, pe- the pitch and they want to beat you up. You yeah. know? Uh, they're crazy. They are. I mean, John Burridge. John Burridge, right? He was that nuts, John Burridge. Right? I played with him uh, at uh, Hartlepool and I scored a chip uh, for Port Vale against Newcastle when he was at Newcastle. He was 40-year-old. And he, he ran. And I, I said to him in the bar after the game, I went, Budgie, what's the matter with you? He says, I haven't been sleeping well. I says, why? He says, well, he went to bed, right, believe it or not. He went to bed with his goalkeeper's gloves, right, and a football. And I said, what are you going to bed with your goalkeeper's gloves and a football for? And he said, in case I spill one. And I said, I'll be there when you spill it. <laughs> so goalkeeper clues clues you got is he your goalkeeper then you're saying who's your yeah goalkeeper? I've got my, goal, my goalkeeper choice Marv uh, again is uh, a Newcastle United ex-player he's called Kevin Carr now Kevin Carr um, one of the nicest guys in the world I will tell you that every one of these people are my friends so they're not minders giving a little bit job so, um, so, you, so, so just hold on, hold on hold on hold on so you're, you're not allowing us to guess that who it is then so you're just going to tell us who it was then Kevin Carr because yeah. you're not, not okay. get them yeah but, 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 but some of the viewers some of the listeners might like to get have a guess right, every now and then just give I us a little clue no but it's too late I, if, if I tell them you. the name of the club Mark, if I tell them the name of the club they can have a guess at the player but you've just told us it's Kevin Carr no I'm saying for the rest of it oh okay alright yeah that's good perfect. 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 Kevin perfect. Carr why is he in your yeah. team why is, yeah, he why, than, why is he better so, than Dave Besson or Kevin, Kevin Hitchcock or something like that? Kevin Hitchcock. Why, yeah, why him? So, Steve. so Kazi, right? Um, he was a great friend. I used to clean his boots when we were, uh, when we were kids at Newcastle. But um, we played against QPR at Loftus Road on that lovely plastic pitch where the ball used to bounce and it was only Marvin who could head it because he's the <laughs> tallest one in the park. And... Um, we were 4-2 up at half-time. And back in the day, it, I was 13th man and you, you used to carry the skips. There wasn't two subs, five subs, ten subs, whatever. Back in the day, there was 12 in the tip and the 13th man was me. So we went and uh, we were 4-2 up at, at half-time. Chris Waddle scored two. And um, it ended up being bizarre. It was a 5-5 draw, right? And the last goal that Kevin conceded actually went through his legs. Now, the manager at the time was Jack Charlton. I'll come to him in a bit. But Kevin come in the dressing room and Marvin will tell you, what you never see is, you put your hand up and say it was my fault. Because the other time they say it was. But Kevin kept his legs open and the goal went through his legs. And he come in and he's from Ashington, where Jack Charlton, Bobby Charlton, Jackie Milburn are from. Very honest. And he went, sorry, lads. I should have kept my legs. Uh, I should have saved that. I should have kept my legs shut. And Jack went, no, your mother should have. <laughs> he was at the club for nine years, 204 days, waiting for a testimonial on the Monday signed for Carlisle. Never played again. But I always remember, right, the greatest thing about Kevin, right, um, is that there's goalkeepers like that I played against, like the great Arsenal legend, England legend, David Seaman. And I could never remember how he could have a name like Seaman and keep clean sheets, you know? 
And but the thing about Kevin Carr, the thing about Kevin Carr is he's still got the record to this day. That's why he's in my team of keeping eight consecutive clean sheets. And he's the only Newcastle goalkeeper that's ever done that. And I applaud him for that. And I'm so proud of him because he's a great, great lad. Wow. Excellent. Still Eight. to this day. Still to this day, that is, really. Incredible. That is. That is so, you're, incredible. You're a two, so you're a Newcastle fan? Yeah. Born and bred. Born in Gateshead. Um, you know, uh, Newcastle United's my club. I love, uh, I love Newcastle United. And there's just, I don't know if you've seen the breaking news. This oh, is Saudi, true. The Saudis. No, the, the takeover. Yeah, Saudi Arabia, Saudi Arabia, yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. No. So what? It's gonna, it's um, gonna happen today. Yeah. Joe, so what, what was, what was the first game you remember as a, as a kid going to watch? I was four year old. I watched uh, Newcastle United against Tottenham, and one of my heroes in life scored. Uh, he's called Malcolm McDonald, called Super Mac, the only number nine ever to play at, at Wembley and score five goals. The number nine shirt against Cyprus in 1975. And uh, he's just, he, he's still one of my best friends in the world now. I love him dearly. The hairs on the back of my neck stand up when I speak to him, when I'm with him, because he's a legend. Now, the word legend gets flashed about. Malcolm McDonald, when he came to Newcastle, at his first home game, he scored three against Liverpool, smashed them off the park, and then he got christened Superman. Is that Luton as well? Yeah. He was well, Luton indeed. Yeah. yeah, he was. That's, I think that's who sold him. Yeah, Alex, Alex Stock was the manager. I think, isn't That's it? Right. I think he scored, is it nine a game? He scored? Um, I think he scored that many goals. I might be misquoted now and be shouted down by a lot of Luke. But he scored a lot in one game as well. Yeah, so we sold him to you. So, super mad. And he's, is it him and Shearer are the only two that have got um, bars on the outside of St. James's Park? Is that right? Well, Shearer's got his tuck away now. Um, but uh, that's because to do with the owner. The previous owner with a bit of luck, but um, get the new regime, get the new regime, and start supporting the team. That's what I say. Black and white army, come on! Uh, <laughs> but the thing is about um, the thing is about Malcolm is uh, he got barred from the ground because uh, he's quite outspoken uh, and he's excellent because he tells the truth. But when you tell the truth, they stop them coming to the club. How can you stop somebody like Supermac coming to the club? He should be in the royalty box, you know. And uh, yeah. that's, that's just the way he is as a guy. Yeah. All right, let's go to the um, right back. Should we go to what the right back, back now? I'm going to give you the club. Brentford. Right. Oh, he's gone for Brentford. I can't believe he's not gone for... I know who he is. Oh, do you? Go on, Andrew. Go on. I think. Go on. Throw it out there, then. Kenny Samson. No, no Kenny come back. back. He come late he's in his back. career. I didn't know if you Ken, he committed to cross. No, no. I, Ken, was, Ken was great but he could never have took the place of the lad that I've got at number two. But when, when did you play with Kenny Sampson? Wasn't it Brentford? Brentford. He, Ken oh. come to the end of his career. Ken come right. to the end of his career. And what, a lovely, what a lovely, tremendous guy he was as well, and a great player. Yeah. I think he only got 88 caps, 88 caps for England. I, Terrible I, lad. I, went, I, went, I was, I've gone more for like um, the top, the big top hitters. Steve Clark, I'm thinking of uh, as a right-back. Not a I thought... No, 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 but I thought because of your career. Go on, you, you've done I it. did you've think of Clarkie, though, Mark. I've got to tell you, I did think of Clarkie. Clarkie <laughs> yeah. was a world-class player, right? I know. He's a brilliant friend of mine, but I have to say, this I went player. to this guy because, because even though Steve Clark manager of Scotland in a minute and I speak to him all the time, um, 
and his assistant John Carver. So I'm going to give you another guess. Did, it, did this player play another club? What other clubs did he play at? Give me another a club. Right, another I'll, club. I'll start you off. He started at Orient and then he went to the Spurs. Oh, Deep Airman. Yeah, very close. Shoot. Who is it then? He went to Spurs. He was a legend at Spurs as well. Played with the Hoddles and the everybody. Right back. I can he played of... left back and right back, but he played right back a lot of the time in his early career because I've just been watching Match of the Day revisited on IDV. And he's played Andrew. right back. Oh, Chris. Chris Newton. Chris Newton. Chris Newton. Chris Newton. There's the right answer. See? I Chris knew we'd dig it out. So, Chris, the reason why. Chris was my skipper at uh, Brentford and I had the utmost respect for him because he taught us a lot about how to live your life, you know? And, um, I mean, I'd scored a hat-trick against Derby at home and uh, we lost 4-3. But, obviously, Marvin knows there's, there's a bar in every corner at Brentford. Now, I've won two bottles of champagne. I give them to the lads and uh, there was a guest in the bar. I didn't drink in them days. I mean, I, I used to have a log of shandy but I had a log of shandy with the supporters at the end of the game and all four bars. Now, I got in the car. I had a flash car, a number plate and all that like Marvin did. But at the end of the day, um, I was I was driving up the M25, right, to go back to Hertfordshire where I was living. And um, the, the thing was that uh, oh, the wolf's here. Mr. Wolf, come up. Say hello. That's the wolf. Whoa. There he hello, is, Mr. Baby. Wolf. That's Mr. Wolf. Hello, Scooby-Doo. Right, so get up. Right, so um, the thing was that you always get like 11 in the police, Mariah, the, the Mariah, yeah? the van. And the woman come out, the policewoman, and she says, uh, have we been drinking tonight? I says, I can't believe that you never bought me one. She said, uh, get out the car. So I got out the car and she said, what are you doing driving in that state? I says, I tried walking, but I kept falling over. I'm 18 months van. Yeah. But Chrissy turned around and said, don't worry, we know that you, you, you're not a drinker. Like, you know, in them days, I mean, I've made up for it now. Uh, but at the end of the day, um, uh, Jesus, I wasn't going to be here the day because I was going to be busy launching a ship and I wouldn't let go of the uh, bottle. Anyway, uh, but the thing is, Chris said, we'll get you a lift, we'll get you to every game, we'll get you home, you're one of us. And I just had the utmost respect for him. And when he was Newcastle United manager... I just loved being in his company with his family, sitting with his beautiful missus and his kids. And I just loved the fact, because I hosted tables there at the time. Uh, I still do now. Um, but at the end of the day, you've got like a, a guy who was a fantastic player, a fantastic manager, but most of, most of all, a fantastic friend in person. Yeah, oh, definitely. And he's just been given, unfortunately, the flick from Forrest, hasn't he? Not Forrest, yeah. Yeah, and they won the next game. Always that's, that's football. Yes, yeah. it is. So go left back then after Chrissy Hughes. Left back. Who's going left back? Left back. Well, I'll tell you, he played for Hartlepool United. If you get this, I'll run around this house naked with nothing on. Um, I'm gonna, but I think he's a centre half. I, I, I don't think he played left back. I was gonna say Peter Billin. Is he no? Peter Billman I played with at Portville. Lovely lad, Scouser. Oh, no. He's another one of them. He, he was that tight, he wouldn't spend Christmas. He was one of them, you know. Um, Scouser, but he played with us at Portville. Hartlepool. Hartlepool, Hartlepool. 
Is it a big name that we could guess? No, it's, it's bad, but it's You're not. National footballer after he left Hartlepool. What? What? Oh, I'm going to go. Get ready. Get ready. Get undressed and run round. Um, Steve Guppy. No, Steve Guppy was another one at Port Vale I played with, left winger, good lad, oh, good crossing ball. Because he can play what? left back as well. He played left back at uh, Leicester. At Leicester, yeah. He was an international, you said, yes? He, he went on to be an international player, played in Scotland, I'll give you, for Motherwell and Scotland. Ginger hair. Mickey Tate. Mickey Tate. Who? Mick no. Tate, is it? No, Mick Tate, no. Mick Tate, no. Nah. Chris, Be- Chris Breach. Chris Breach or Beach or Breach. Chris Beach or Breach, is it? No, no, not Beach. Manager Carlisle now. You're doing well on your homework, used to, I tell you. Oh, <laughs> well, we got the, got the got the right club, all right? We've got the right club. Some of them names. Yeah. Some of them names got the right club. Put it this way, right? He made his debut for Newcastle United against Spurs at White Hart Lane, and Newcastle lost five-one. And he was playing against a player called John Chidozzi, who tore him apart. Red hair, red hair, left back. I think he's done me. He's done us. <laughs> I told you it'd be obscure. He's done us. Go on, him. This was the Go best on. left back I ever played with, right? I'm going to tell you now. Is that okay? Yeah. Well, His yeah, name was Robert, Robert McKinnon. Robbie McKinnon, yeah. right? And he was like the answer when he when he lost against Spurs because it was at the youth team with me at Newcastle and the reserves, and then he went to play in the first team for Newcastle, and I said John Chidozzi. Waddle, Clive Allen, playing against them. We lost 5-1. And Rob never played again for Newcastle. But then he went to Hartlepool. And he picked himself up and got back in the race. And he was the best left-back I ever played with because not only did he defend, but he could play left midfield, left wing. And he did all that in the same game. And he used to make probably 40% of my goals. And I loved him a bit because he was such a quiet man. And he'd come back from that. And he was like... The answer, before Mel Gibson thought about playing Braveheart, he was Braveheart. Because the comeback after getting beat 5-1 at Spurs, you know, he had, you know, he'd come on and he went on to play for his country, which is fantastic, you know, and a great lad the boot. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Definitely. That's a great story to get smashed and True. adversity. Yeah. And, he, and his father, Big Smed, right, who used to come and watch us all the time, right? Uh, his father was ginger hair. And he used to travel from Scotland, from uh, East Kilbride, every game to watch his son play, which I absolutely thought was fantastic because my dad used to come watch me play every game, wherever I played. I'll bet so you they never signed for Plymouth. Yeah, different, different gravy you now. We get airplanes and helicopters. So, <laughs> Joe, start, starting off at your, your boyhood club then, how did that come about then? Who, how was you spotted? Who spotted you at your... To get you to go uh, down to it, do goals. So how did that happen? Well, it's funny, Mark, because me and another lad I'm going to talk about later, which you'll get straight away. But we were, we were together at Newcastle since we we're nine year old, and we played, and you're not allowed to sign until you're 14, as you know, on social schoolboy forms. Now, on my 14th birthday, um, the ex manager of Newcastle that won the FA Cup three times in the 50s and was manager of Newcastle's team that won the first cup in 1968, there was a guy called Joe Harvey who was chief scout at Newcastle United. Then he come around at six o'clock in the evening. I knew he was coming. And he had a Granada car, Ford Granada, a bit like you, Marvin, when he was at your height. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, But the thing is, he come, assigned me. Now, my father just done a 12-hour shift at the pit, at the mines, you know. And he'd had a few pints. And he was sitting on the settee. Um, 
falling asleep with his vest on and his braces, knock at the door, and I'm sitting at the top of the stairs watching, looking out the window, and I'm thinking, oh, it's Mr. Harvey. Please, please, please. And it, he opened it. He said, anybody in this house going to answer this door? And my mum was working at the time, and my brothers were out, and I was just hiding at the t- like that. I'd had to get a di- digestive biscuit to get us up from under the bed. It was one of them. Anyway, he come in, he opened the door, and my dad is a very, very respectful man. But Mr. Harvey turned around and said, hello, Mr. Allen. He went, hello, Mr. Harvey. He says, I've come to sign your jaw. And he went, over my dead body. Because my father and my two brothers were Sunderland supporters. Now, I was the black and white sheep of the family, wasn't I? Anyway, he said, please come in. So he come in, he sat down, and I'm looking over the stairs. They were talking for 10 minutes, and then I saw the best pass I've ever seen anybody make in my career. And I played with some good ones. Joe Harvey went to his inside pocket of his top coat and produced a bottle of Bell's whiskey. By, by 6.30, I'd signed for Newcastle on a four-year contract. <laughs> <laughs> True story. Quality. Quality. Yeah. True story. That's so centre-backs. Is it centre-backs now, is it? Yeah, go centre-backs. Number four. Number four first. Oh, what, number, number, four. Going, number four. You're going, you're going to midfield I can now. do centre-backs if you want. Yeah, yeah we like to do the back four for it. Yeah, go on. So, do you want number five? Or do you want one more? Oh, Lord, man, what do you say? Number, tell us a number. Pick a number. Five. Number five, right. I never played with him, but he was very, very influential in my career. And uh, he was a legend at Newcastle United and also captain of Newcastle United and also captain of Scotland. So So, this is before your time then? Well, this is before my time as a player, but as a manager, I'm putting managers in as well because they were very important in your career. Newcastle. Go on, Andrew. You got it. Stop. You do this all the time. Just say it. as well. He's oh, Googling. He? Andrew's Googling. No, he oh, wouldn't. He wouldn't. No, he wouldn't do that. He <laughs> oh, <laughs> no, he played for Hearts, did you say? Yeah, he was manager of Hearts. He was, he was Newcastle United when they won the first cup. He scored two in the first game and one in the second against Yuji Pestoza from Hungary. And he was my manager at Hartlepool United. We've done this again. No, go on. Go on. His name was Bob Monker. Oh, friggin' hell, I should have got that. Was he Bob Monker? Am I thinking yeah. of the, the right one? Was he? He's not, he wasn't manager of... No, that's right. Go on. I'm thinking of Bobby Campbell. <laughs> he was manager of No, you're right. Go on. So, why Bob, why Bob was a great influence on, on my career, lads, right, is because I was playing for Swansea at the time. Yeah. And I'd scored seven goals in seven consecutive games, which is still a record now. Um, but I got injured. I broke my ankle. And I was playing okay, with about three blokes and a dog, right, at this place in Swansea, pissing down with rain. And I only had three kicks, and two of them were kick-off. And um, I thought, well, what the hell's going on here now? And anyway, Bob come and watched us. He, tro- he drove all the way down from Newcastle. He's obviously manager of Hartlepool, but he lived in Newcastle, still does. I see him every home game at Newcastle, a legend of guy. And he kidnapped us. He says, uh, we've got the job at Hartlepool, me and Pop Robson. I went, Hartlepool? I said, the second bottom of the fourth division. Do you think I'm, do you think I'm coming to Hartlepool? I said, what? honestly, unbelievable. He went, no, he says, I've got Pop Robson, the great goal scorer that played for Sunderland, Newcastle, West Ham, Chelsea. Legend of a player, legend of a guy. Best uncapped player never to play for England as a forward. 
because he was going against the likes of Jimmy Greaves, yeah. Martin McDonald, and it, it was very, very competitive, you know, Jeff Hurst. Anyway, he kidnapped us. We got up there about uh, the Midlands, and he went, I'm taking you. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'm taking you home. You're coming for a month's loan. Well, my mother was poorly at the time. God bless her soul. And um, he says, come for a month. We'll get you a sponsored car. He says, live, live at your mum's and dad's. And he said, well, I'll pick you up every day. He says, but we'll get you a sponsored car. I says, oh, how am I? Anyway, the sponsored car come. It was a bloke from Hartlepool that had a Nissan Micra, eight-year-old, who went on holiday and I got it for two weeks. It was like <laughs> only frozen horses, honestly. It was unreal. So we went, my first three games, right, chaps? My first three games, we were beat 6-0, 8-1 and 6-1. And I said to him, listen, you should have signed Alex Higgins, not me, because he was world champion snooker player. I says, well, that far behind, we're requiring snookers. Anyway, he went, don't worry. In 18 months' time, you'll be top scorer in this league. He says, I'll get you to move to the high-flying club. He says, and there'll be a statue outside the ground about you. I went, Bob, where are you getting your drugs from? Marvin. I said, honestly. Anyway, 18 months' time, I scored 35 goals in 46 games. We got promotion. For the second time in club's history, I got to move to Chelsea Football Club. Fantastic. And also, there was no statue. But what they did for us, what they did for us, Marv, Andrew, they named the street after us in Hollypool. And I'm oh, so proud. Wow. Honestly, I was so proud about that. And I just wish my mother had been alive. Wow. That was fantastic. That really That's is. Incredible. So to get the street named after you, um, to be in, be in that area. Fantastic. So you mentioned that you switched straight from Hartlepool to Chelsea. That was a big leap in terms of leagues. Yeah, but the thing is, Andrew, I'd already, played, well, I'd already played. Well, I'd already played. I think it might have been the 35 goals. Uh, but the, the thing is, I played with Keegan's, McDonald's, uh, sorry, McDermott's, uh, Waddle, Beardsley, Gascoigne. So I, was, I wasn't overrode. And I was at the right age at that time. Because sometimes you have to take a step back to go forwards. Yeah. And I think I think Chelsea watched us about 30 times out of them times and I scored 29 goals in them 30 games. And they got us like in a tribunal for less than half a million, you know. Don't get fooled by the framework that I went for 250 because I still got the money in the freezer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> none of that went on. It never went on. Um, but the thing is, uh, it was like a, a fantastic thing, an opportunity but when I went into the Chelsea dressing room, there were 17 internationals there. But because I played and trained with the greats at Newcastle, um, I wasn't overawed. I took it in my stride. I had Vinnie Jones on that side. I had Dennis Wise on that side. I sat in the middle and I went, you're sitting here. And that was it. It was mesmeric. And scoring on my debut for Chelsea was like, you know, second to nothing. Apart from yeah. scoring the number nine show. Forgot to mention it. Brilliant. Fantastic. Yeah. So to, Bob, number next six. To Bob. Next to Bob, we've got, um, well, another one, me gaffer. Uh, changed my life. Um, World Cup winner. <laughs> Big Jack Charlton. Jack You've Charlton. got it, Mom! You've got it! Get in by! And uh, give, us debut. give us me debut in the number nine shirt uh, at Newcastle. It was December the 1st, 1984. And uh, we played Stoke City. Beat them 2-1. Um, I got took off after 86 minutes. I was knackered. I ran myself into the ground. And he went, you were brilliant today. You were great. You were great today. He was like that. And I went, thanks, Gaffer. He went, no, you were fantastic. I mean it. 
I went, I must have been because I never played for another 10 months. <laughs> True. And the, the thing is, when we went in at 17, I mean, what Marvin tell you, and yourself, at 17 to play in the first team of any team is, is good. But we went in, we were on 25 quid a week, me and the, the boy wonder, right? Uh, the chosen one, who will come to, as you well know, we will come to. And we went in, we were on 25 quid a week. I went in first, and the gaffer went, what you after? I went, arise. He went, right, it's like this. I'm going to give you £150 a week. I'm going to give you £100 a game and £100 a goal. He says, but in the summer, oh, by the way, I'm going to give you 5000 to sign on. I thought, fuck, I've just bought my mother's house. Unbelievable. I was thinking, I'll get them leather trousers, that brass wall. I'll get my mother a new set of feet. I'll get my dad that car. Anyway, went on and he went, but in the summer, I'm only going to give you £60. And I went, why gaffer? He went, I want you to learn a trade. Now, it'd be, be bricklaying or woodwork or metal work, but I need you, I think you'll make it, but I need you to earn a trade. And I went, okay, gaffer, that's fine. That's good, something to fall back on. Then he went in, didn't he? The chosen one. The little, I lived in a little fishing village next to Newcastle called Dunstan. Anyway, he went in, we'll come to him later, and he come out and I went, uh, 150, he went, aye. I says, 100, aye. I says, 100, aye. I says, in the summer, 60. No, 80. I went, 80 in the summer. So I braved the gaffer's door down, went in. I went, how can you do that? 150, 100, 100, you're giving them 80 in the summer and May 60. He said, he's a better player than you. I says, not in the fucking summer, he's not. Joe, just quickly, I mean, I don't know if you've, if you've ever thought about this, but I've, I mean, obviously thought about it a lot now more since you, I'm more experienced. You got in the t- first team at 17 and yeah. the Newcastle number nine shirt is a big, big thing to have on your show. Maybe as a youngster you didn't really realise the what the all went behind the number nine shirt like we do now as we got older experience. Do you feel that getting as a young as you did was no. not as much pressure, I suppose? No, it was, it was a case for me, Marv. If, if I'd finished, I mean, um, scoring the number nine shirt for me, if I'd finished my career, it would have been enough. But when I made my debut, I got uh, the bus in the metro, right, with, uh, I didn't have a suit. I had to wear my dad's black tie that he wore for funerals. I had my school pants on, a Newcastle jumper, a white shirt, and I had my boots in a Presto carrier bag, which is equivalent to Sainsbury's now. And I was on the train, and there's not one of the people on the train knew that I was playing Newcastle's first team. But the thing was, what was lovely about it was, uh, the lads, like, I played with Waddle for the first game, and a lot of the rest of the games I played with Pedro, Pete Vinsley. Um, but I was a little bit, uh, well, I'll come to it later, but it wasn't so much shell shock as disappointed because I've had getting a run in the side instead of playing 13, 14 games, right, including the cup games, things like that. If I'd gotten six games off the trot in the side, I would never have left Newcastle, you know. Um, but we'll come to it in a bit. Um, so the gaffer, World Cup winner, uh, just finishing on this one because it's, he's, he's so good. Um, he's, he's been in poorly health, um, as you well know, and he, he passed away. Uh, he had that horrible illness that my mother and father have, Alzheimer's and dementia. I'd just like to give them a shout. Anybody that wants to get Alzheimer's and dementia, please do. Uh, 
we saw it, and, and I got him. I was presenting this thing. I had the mic, and I was, and I got the gaffer there to present the trophy. And his missus was there, Pat, beautiful woman, absolutely brilliant woman. And uh, he went, "How are you doing?" I went, "All right, gaffer." I says, uh, "You just have to present this trophy." He went, "Well, why didn't you tell us? I would have had something prepared." He was a great speaker, and he's dear, fantastic speaker. But I said, "No, gaffer. All you have to do is just present the trophy." And Pat went, "Jack, it's Joe." He went, "Jack." I'm Joe. And he went, no, because sometimes you have to make a, a joke about things like that. And he went, well, you want a mine, aren't you? And I went, aye. And Pat went, you give me his debut and everything. And he used to sit with him at Chelsea when he was a public island manager and that. And he went, right. How many clubs did you end up with? And I went, nine, gaffer. He went, I thought you'd have done a lot better than that. Actually, <laughs> cut us in two, honestly. Absolutely killed us. Oh, my God. But no, he was a very, very special person and uh, and a brilliant, brilliant man to boot, like, you know. Oh, definitely. Excellent. Excellent. So what we're going to do is we're going to pause it there. And yep. when we come back from our break from our sponsors, uh, we'll hear the rest of Joe Allen's My Best Eleven. Add some art to your Adidas. From your favourite football team to the bands you've always loved. Some things are meant to be celebrated. Share your passion with the world and stand out from the crowd with custom-designed Adidas trainers by Dazzler's Craft. Choose from one of the most popular costume designs or create your own look and use a bespoke design service. Dazzler'sCraft.co.uk Add an art to your Adidas. Welcome back to the second part of Joe Allen's My Best Eleven. We're going to hand straight over to Marvin for Marv's 60 seconds. Over to you, Marv. Okay, Joe, Messi or Ronaldo? Um, for me, it's got to be Messi because as a 14-year-old... Messi, dumb. Right, favourite other sport? Oh, sorry? Favourite other sport? Favourite um, other sport? Golf. Penalty shootout or golden goal? Shootout. Funniest ever player you played with? Um, Andy Townsend. Favorite stadium you've played in? St James's Park. If you if you wasn't a footballer, what would you be? Reserve team player. <laughs> if you could change this one, you can now answer a little bit longer. Check if you could change one rule in a game, what would it be? Um, shoot um, the people that slaughter the players that are not having a very good game and get them off their backs because it's terrible because it's a team game. You know, it's all about the team. It's not about the individual. It's all about the team. All right. Um, Bundesliga, La Liga or Syria? Which one for quality? Well, I played in all three. Um, but I was on that PlayStation game. Um, I would have to say that the, the, best, the best league for me is the Premier League. Uh, but if you want one of them three, I would go for the Spanish just because of, you just mentioned the fact that the, the Messi's and the Ronaldo's have played in that league. And uh, Right. Is the last one? Last one, Marv. Yeah. Favorite, favorite derby you played in? Well, uh, honestly, um, for me, uh, playing for Chelsea um, against like West Ham, um, that was a, it was a big game, and uh, it was a it was a lovely game. I never got the chance to play against Sunderland because Sunderland was in the third division, um, you know. And I mean, you know, I dislike Sunderland so much, you know. Port I mean, Mayor's it's funny State? because no, but. I like that game, but I was, it was, there was only 25,000 there. There was 52 at the other game. Um, but okay. the, the other thing is, um, I went to the Sunderland match the other day because I was commentating for Chelsea against Sunderland. And uh, 
there was a, there was a pound coin thrown on the pitch. Now, the police are still investigating whether it was a missile or a genuine takeover bid. Can you believe that? <laughs> right. Go on, right. Next. We will move on to number four. Number four, number four. Yes. Right. I'll give you, he played in two World Cups. He played with me at Newcastle United. Or rather, I played with him. Uh, he played for QPR and also was a legend for Northern Ireland. Northern Ireland? QPR. Oh, no. <laughs> he was very definitive in height. Northern Ireland. I think the QPR thing's thrown me. Where else? Yeah. We signed him from QPR. The little number four, like a Jack Russell. He would kick your granny for a pound. What's that? To Northern Ireland. kick your granny for a pound. Played with George Best at Manchester United and was in the FA Cup final two years run in 76 and 77, I believe, as substitute when there was one slot. Oh, I've got it. <laughs> David McCreary. Yeah, mommy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You pulled You're hot. Man. You're hot. <laughs> come yeah. on. So when he went when he went to Manchester United, he'd come over from Northern Ireland. And he, there was the likes of uh, Lord Best and Charlton that had been there, brilliant. Like, and he was obviously from the area where George Best was. And uh, he went and he was like, as a youngster, just, um, well, put it this way, uh, he was the hardest player and he gave us the biggest bollockings I've ever had on a football pitch um, because he had such a high standard. But when he played in the two World Cups uh, for Northern Ireland, and you see, you remember that famous game when they beat Spain in the quarterfinal. Jerry Armstrong scored. He also played and marked Platini, who was arguably one of the greatest players of the world, and Johan Cruyff out of the games that he played against them. He was probably our worst player when he had the ball, but arguably the greatest player in the world when we didn't have it because he used to win it. And I saw the most horrific injury when I was on the bench one day at Newcastle. And he ended up with 50 stitches in his thigh on the inside and 65 on the outside. And it was caused by a nylon stud. And he went into the tackle. Tough as teak, hard as goat's knees, and one of the nicest guys I speak to every single other day, Dave McCreary, legend. Yeah. The, 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 the Manchester United, when you, that's what, how I got it, 77, remember? Um, that, that, was years first, that was the first cup final, I remember. Um, 2 yeah. 1. 2 1. Well, Sunderland Leeds against in 73 was the, the only cup final I'm forgetting because Sunderland won 1 0. Anyway, <laughs> the story. All right. So, who's next? <laughs> who's next to him? We've got seven, number seven. Number seven. This is where the 4 4 2 comes into play. All right. Number seven. So, number seven is arguably the greatest forward that I've ever played with. I'll leave it at that at the minute. Greatest forward. You've played with some great forwards. Right, right I'll give you another clue. Number seven, are you going number seven right midfield then? He or... can play right midfield. He could play where he wanted. Right, OK. I'm just putting him in the team because I can't leave him out. I, I reckon it could be any number of, like you say, Marvin, it could be any number of hundreds. Um... I'll tell you, he played for Vancouver Whitecaps and Carlisle before he came to Newcastle United. Oh, yes. He played for Liverpool. He did play for Liverpool yes. and was played for Everton and was a legend for England. And he Go made on, Gary Lineker famous. Not much of the day, this guy made Gary Lineker famous. Are you playing him at number seven? Yeah, you can play him there. He used to wear number seven for, for Liverpool. Yeah. 
Peter, Peter Beersley. Yeah, yeah, Peter Beersley. Is the right yeah. answer, Marv? Is the right Peter answer? Beersley. Yes. Honestly, without a shadow of a doubt, one of the nicest guys in the, in the game, but as a player, right? I've never seen anything like it. He's a magician, total magician. I mean, I remember training one day, and I used to play up front with him all the time. And because I was like, we're a foil, we weren't the biggest of lads. But Pedro had this thing about him where he could make a bad player look good like me. You know, he made us look good. And he honestly, he, the two centre-halves were our first team centre-halves. And he, he sold more dummies than mother care, right? And <laughs> he, I thought he was doing origami because he folded them both into a fucking duck. Um, but the, the thing is about him was when he played in the World Cups, then obviously he made Gary Lineker passing the ball and scoring, playing for England so many times. Um, but he just loved playing football. Every single day he played football and his attitude was fantastic. And probably my idea in 1984 when Newcastle got promotion with uh, Keegan Beasley, Waddle McCreary, Clark, um, you know, that, that was the greatest Newcastle team that I'd ever saw. Why, why, why is it, you call him Pedro? Why Pedro? Is it Pedro? You call well, him? Pedro's short for Peter, if you've ever been in Spain before, you know. Right. As, uh, if you watched Only Fools and Horses, now why Pedro? You know. Oh, okay. So, you know? what was it like for him? Obviously, you, you um, speak to him. What was it like for him coming back to Newcastle? Obviously, he went away. And then he came well, back. He done great. Yeah. And I know, Kevin yeah, Keegan, he was fantastic in that um, in that team. Around Kevin Keegan brought him back. It was the closest. It was the closest we have a chance to win in the league since the, yeah. you know Warren was remembered. It was like I'm with ten points clear. You know, ten points clear with Manchester United and ended up losing it. And Kevin Keegan, obviously, you know that yeah. the famous thing, who was a massive influence in my career as well. Unfortunately, he couldn't get in the team. Because never played with him, but uh, the thing about uh, the fact that that Newcastle team was built with Terry Mack and also Kevin Keegan in charge, and just the players that they had, you know, a, a massive thing to for, for Keegan to, to sell Andy Cole to Manchester United, but then they make a world record signing of fifteen million pound to arguably one of the greatest goal scorers uh, of all time, uh, apart from Mr. Jimmy Greaves, God rest his soul. Um, Algeria and it was just a genius move and you know when you're sitting Beasley playing with Shearer you know I mean there was another there was another 20 in the squad and I don't want it mean to be disrespectful but um, you know that was just fantastic for me I used to play hooky as we call it up here we call it the Nick because um, I didn't used to go to my games when I wasn't playing I'd come watch Newcastle play you know and it was the case of seeing me mum and dad but also to watch them play live, you know, it was like, a, it was a thrill. Absolute thrill. Excellent. So that was number seven, Beardsley. Where else, where yeah. are you going now? Do you want to go eight? Yeah, we'll go eight. Yeah. Well, this guy's in the middle of the park. This is his position. Um, You've mentioned it already. Did he get paid huh? more money at summertime? Yeah, 80 pounds. 80, pound, 80, 80 pounds pound more summer. at summertime than you did. <laughs> hey, I'm not being funny. Uh... He's just is like he your goat. Is he honestly your goat then? Is that what he is? Is he, in your opinion, the goat? He was the greatest player in the world in 1990, Italian 90 in the World Cup. See who he did it against. It was the closest we ever got to winning the World Cup since 66. Gaza's tears. Paul, the most loveliest, honest, 
right? He's had his ups and downs, right? And I'll, I'll, I'll stick by him. But the thing is, he's been good. He's been good. And when he's bad, he's bad. But I tell you what, he's always been box office. 100%. And like I say, the players he played against, when England got to that spot, and he's a little bit local. We all are up here. You know, we're a little bit nuts, as you can tell by me. Um, but the thing is, he, like, he was playing tennis, right? At 12 o'clock, he's rooming with Chris Waddle, and he's playing tennis the day before the Germany game at 12 o'clock that night against the Spanish waiters. And he's got a pina colada, right? And he's hit because he's loved the tennis. He was whacking it, you know? He's like Nadal. And then the gaffer come down to Bobby, and he went, well, what are you doing? He says, I'm just playing tennis, gaffer, just to get me limbs warmed up for tomorrow. He went, what are you drinking? And he went like that, the gaffer, so Bobby, and he, he had a sip. And he went the way, he went, give me one of them. He thought it was pineapple juice. <laughs> Gaza had to carry him up the stairs. <laughs> but I guess say, uh, what he could do with the football and, and seeing us progress together through schoolboy youth team reserves, then the first team. And then when I went, uh, he went to Tottenham, I went to Chelsea, and we all kept in touch. And he had some terrible injuries, but at the same time, he's still one of the most kindest people, right, that you'll ever meet in your life. So generous and such a beautiful person. But like I say, he has done bad things, but he's also done very, very good things. I love yeah. him. Joe, go on, go on, Andrew. Go on. He's a Geordie at heart, isn't he? Do you know if he ever had the opportunity to go back to Newcastle? Who got it? Yeah. Yeah, he just snapped the hands off. No, do you know when he went to, say, Glasgow Rangers or Everton? Well, he, he, loved, he, loved Rangers. he loved Rangers, and Rangers was basically a piece of piss for him because he ran the show. He mm. was fantastic. He was brilliant at Rangers. He was great at Everton. But at the end of the day, uh, Newcastle weren't in that position in the league, I don't think, they, to get him at the time. And they were still playing millions for him, you know? You've got to imagine as well, when he went to Lazio, He'd had a smashed knee. Marvel tell you, you know yourself, cruciates, a very mm. bad injury to come back from. And then he went and played in the Roma derby. He played in the Celtic Rangers derby. We know all about that politics thing and all that. I mean, I can't believe that politics. I mean, they've been going on about it for 400 years. I mean, you think you'd get out of it, wouldn't you? I mean, <laughs> but anyway, uh, the, that thing is, uh, the thing about Paul is, um, he always wore his heart on his sleeve. And he told us one game when I went to watch him playing for Everton. And he come into the, the director's box where I was, and there's a guy there called Bin, Bill Kenwright who's uh, into the theatre, right? He's massive yeah. theatre at Western, and he was the chairman. And Paul come in to see us, and he had his kit on, his tracksuit top, his shorts, socks, no boots, no trainers, out. And he had three double brandies. And I went, you all right, kid, or what? He went out, he scored three, and made two. I says, can you imagine what you'd have been like if you didn't have the three brandies? He said, I would have been terrified. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm, 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 sure, I'm sure. I'm like, I'm sure you've got many stories about him. But like, what I want to um, just speak about is that you know, you you came up through the ranks together. In today, how it is now with so much social media and stuff, like, would do you think Gaza will still be the same? Knowing how, the Gaza that you know, being how he. Well, the thing is, we both have. I didn't care. We both had mental illness, Mark, right? I'm not frightened to tell people that. And never be afraid to pick the phone up, you know, because you have your ups and downs in football. When I, when I had to stop playing, I, I was in a terrible state. I'm not joking. It was horrible, you know. 
Um, but the thing is, you always go through that. Um, these days, he still had the upper body strength to play. And there was nobody who would get near him because mm. he's wings, right? But what he had was unbelievable football brain. I mean, I just remember uh, to the Arsenal supporters that are listening, and I do apologise, but Wembley in the semi-final, ah, it was only about 35 yards, I think, when he pinged it in. <laughs> <laughs> no. It was. It was fantastic. That was fantastic, though. So, Paul Gascoigne, Peter Beardsley, David Curry, who is going in midfield next to them? Well, we're going on the left-hand side, Andrew, because right? yeah. I've got to get him in the team, right? He can play left wing, he could play down the middle. But what he was, he was a, he was a legend at Newcastle. He was a legend at Spurs. He was a legend Mar in Marseille. France Marseille. and in Marseille. Chrissy Waddle. Well, Andrew. Chris Waddle. Majestic, the majestic Chris Waddle, who could open a tin of beans with his left foot. One of the greatest players that like, I could see. Um, if there was one player before Pedro come, while well, Keegan and McDermott relied on, on one player, and I'll just say two words, match winner. Because he could do things as well with that left foot and his jink. I mean, he'd done that once and half the crowd went that way. You know, he's, <laughs> he was that good. Like, honestly, he was that good. And uh, he went on to be have a fabulous career and still went on playing, I think, his late 30s at Chef Wed. Yeah. Played again for Bradford as well. Um, but just to keep in touch with him, uh, just, a, a, just a legend. Simple as that. What made him be able to go abroad and, and be successful abroad? Because it's not easy, especially started, in the early 90s. Yeah, he started uh, in a sausage factory and, called, and played for a, a non-league club called Taulopo. When Newcastle come in for him, he was such a, a great player at Newcastle. And I have to say this, even though I love the club and the takeover's on today, like I said, it's on. But um, Chris got sold because Newcastle were a selling club and they sold him the sold Beasley, the sold Gascoigne, and they give me away for a creative beer and the set of strips. So I've done well. Um, but the thing is, when he went to Tottenham, he was playing with Clive Allen, who scored, I think, 49 goals that season, yeah. playing with his great mate, Glenn Hoddle. I mean, the list goes on. Mabbitt, the whole lot of them. What a fantastic side. And it, then he went and he just become... I, would, I wouldn't say it would be too... Um, to be wrong to say, but he, he wasn't an ugly duckling, like the way he ran and whatever, but he was always a beautiful swan. Yeah. 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 So what, what, I mean, what, what, what skill set did he have that made him a successful brother? Well, he could do, people used to do he was all left-footed, but he wasn't. He could do, and he could head the ball as well. But he was right-footed, he could do it. But he, what he had was the fake, the dummy. Like I yeah. say, it was like, it was one of them that had... They used to think they've got him, they've got him. They never had him. He could cross it with both feet. He didn't have to go around them. It's a bit, a bit like uh, uh, modern-day Beckham. He could cross them, he could do that, go back to his right foot and whip it in that way. Ask Kevin Keegan how many goals he scored for him crossing the ball. Yeah. <laughs> Superb. So, what was he like, um, just kind of off football for a second? Was he, well, he used to know, pick me up every day. Did, you know, did but, you know he was a good singer or not? Was he a good singer? I'm not being Did you funny. know he was? Had earplugs in. Didn't he get to what? Number 10, top 10 show? Top 10 song? Well, he had diamond, he had diamond lights. About, diamond that. lights. That's but, it. Diamond lights. The, the thing is, um, about Chris, he, he used to pick me up when I was a young apprentice, young pro. 
because uh, he only lived up the road from us and took us into the training ground. Never accepted one penny, which was good because as I was, we're only on 25 per week. And um, a 20 pound of that used to go with my mother on board. But uh, the thing is, um, he was great, but he had uh, his music tastes like with a jam. He was a bit of a, a punk rocker, the mod type of thing. He liked all that type of music. And we used to go to social clubs and that and uh, watch like the local bands and along with uh, the late, great Steve Carney, who played in the promotion team in 1984, 85 season. And uh, the thing was, they're just so down to earth. And I think that's what, I mean, Mob, I'm going to tell you something. I don't know if you agree. I think 97% of footballers that we've played with and against are great, great people. I hate slagging footballers off. I love to have a laugh. But there is that 3% that are a little bit different to what we were playing our beautiful game because we would pay to play the game. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I agree. I think that, um, back when we played, Joe, even though, like, probably we didn't... Like, I'm, not, I'm just t- not talking about you and I, but I'm talking to be a, a group, group of players who might not know each other personally, but there would always be that respect. Whereas today, uh-huh. I feel that there's, like, players will know certain players and be jealous and envious of what they've done or whatever that never in my opinion that didn't go on in our day we were we were nah, never I mean, jealous of anyone you would you would go in the ball like i'm going to tell you in a little bit about, about uh, some stories about that um with me two lads that i'm playing up front so we're going on to number nine yeah yes right i'm just going to say it. two words jack palance <laughs> i don't know if andrew will get it from that he might get it from that but I don't think Andrew will get it from that. But Say again. Jack Palance. But you but you but say, but you should get it. That's a clue. They'll be asking me giving you a clue. Number nine, and you should know who it is. That's a big clue. Luton Tom. Steve Howard. No. I love Steve Howard. He was my apprentice. Mean? He's not Jack Palance. Who's think, Jack Palance? What what number nine? He played for, for Chelsea. Yeah. Oh, or, Mick Arford. Hello! Welcome to the ball game, Andrew. What's the, what's the Jack Palance thing? That's, that's I'm just going to tell you about him now. Right, okay. Have you ever seen Go. Jack Palance in a movie? Have you ever yeah, seen Jack Mick. Palance in a movie? It's no. Mick. It's Mick. He is hard. He is hard, right? I'm not being funny. He's a coffin nail, right? <laughs> the, thing about, the thing about him is, he's got, he's got poor health at the minute. I'm just wishing him all the best, right? I hope we, I'll tell you about it later, Mark. But he's in poor health. He's still at Luton as director of football and um, he's probably one of my greatest friends in the world, right? Uh, lovely lad, just a fantastic friend, but also on the pitch, on his day, unplayable. Nobody could come near him. He had elbows like razor blades, right? I'm not being funny. Um, I'm going to tell you a, a little story and just to, to show you Jack Palance. We played Sheffield United in the FA Cup. I'd uh, Stamford Bridge and uh, the lad that was playing centre-half for Sheffield United done Jack Palance off the ball and knocked him out so I'm coming towards him on the stretcher and he went Joe Joe get his fucking name and his number and he went off on the stretcher first game the next season we're playing Sheffield United at Bramall Lane Dennis scored Dennis White scored after what, a minute so we're out celebrating in the corner and then all of a sudden, I look back and I'm saying, where's Mick? And then I'm looking back and I'm seeing the half, the centre half 
absolutely knocked out on the halfway line, sprawled, unconscious. And Mick come past us and went, I told you I'd fucking get him. <laughs> that's him, that's him, that's him. I mean... That is the man, that is the man. And I one of the believe. best volleyers, yes. honestly, sorry for the remark, one of the best volleyers, everybody used to say about his touch, his touch was fantastic, he was brilliant in the air, he could take a knock and give a knock, and that he was an all-round centre-forward, and if you were in trouble, I remember I got picked up by the throat of uh, Paul Hart, he played for Nuts Forest, yeah. And he picked me up by the throat at the Gallagher end because I kicked them because the gaffer said, if you're having a bad game, just kick him the centre-half. The Gallagher end, they love you. And the end of the day, he picked us up and Mick went, touch one hair in his blonde head and I'll throw you over the Gallagher. He went, I don't want any trouble with you, big man. He said, you've got it. And he placed us like that. And I was like... <laughs> yeah. I was in the piano. I was in the piano with a lid down off. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, like you said, Joe, I mean, there's so much quality to the mixed game apart from obviously holding the ball up, heading. His, his volume, his volume, his technique and volume was unbelievable. Unbelievable. Best volume I've ever seen. And for being 18 foot three, he's over at kicks. Jesus Christ. Yes. They're not a foot right out. Mick Fantastic. Harford. That's Mick Harford. Who's next to Mick? Right up front next to Mick is, uh, again, one of, like I say, I keep going on, all these people are very, very good friends of mine. But I met this lad, um, Marv, can you remember when they used to play the five sides at Wembley? Indoors, it was on sports yeah, night and that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I met this guy, I went in the wrong dressing room once, because we were next door. And I met him that day, right? Um, he used to play for West Ham. He was quite similar in looks. We put our heads out of the window and people said, put your heads in, it might be a horse box. But... Oh, he's Scottish. Correct. Did he play for Celtic and Rangers? No, he, he got sent off against Rangers. Celtic legend, West Ham. The Scottish George Best, blonde hair. Oh, I was thinking of... He used to have a partnership with Tony Cotty. Yeah. Frank McAvenny. The TV is the right Frank answer. Frankie Mack. Mack. So I met him that night. Um, and we became very, very front friends. And it was a case of he was at West Ham and I was at Chelsea. And uh, uh, we kept in touch all over. He even come to live in the Northeast. I got him in touch with all my, my friends up here. He played golf for them every day. He's back in Glasgow now. But I remember we played uh, West Ham at Upton Park, all the bowling ground, as it's known, um, back in the day. And we won to one and the magnificent uh, Kerry Dixon, the Dunstable uh, Dungeon, he, um, he scored the winner header from about 25 yards, which that's what Kerry could do. And um, Frank was in the bar. We went in. We were, we were bullish. I've just getting 1,200 quid uh, bonus. 300, 400-pound a point we were on at the time. We were in the top two. And I'm, I'm like, oh, God, get in. So we've got the Chelsea regalia on. We're looking like that suited and booted. We'll go in, and I look at the bar. Me little blonde mates at the bar. He's got a pair of denim jeans on, a pair of cowboy boots. He's got a white T-shirt and a leather jacket. And I looked at him like that. And he had two page three birds on his arms like that, drinking a, bo drinking a bottle of Bollinger. And I'm like, and I went, fucking hell, Frank. I says, what do you get when you win? <laughs> One of the funniest lads, honestly. And, and he's up there, like, with legendary status in, in Glasgow. But at West Ham, he's still up there in the, the best lot that's ever played for West Ham. And him, him and Cotty had the most unbelievable goals ratio of any two strike two uh, that they've ever had at West Ham. And that is including 
Jimmy Greaves and obviously Jeff Hurst when he played and whatever. But um, Frank is just a unique character, you know, the funniest guy. Like, you know, you're going to come to funnies, but he is like really, really so dry. He, said, he used to say when people used to slag him off and it, it, like I'd be with him and all that, and I, I would be there by his side, you know, and he'd say, and they'd say, I'm not of any of this, that, and the other. And he'd say, Thanks, mate. He says, Give us a ring when you've got less time. Keep in touch with yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. So, which of those two, if you got Mick and Frank, which of those two did you prefer playing up front with? Um, I wouldn't get in the team. <laughs> if you if you swap one of them out, which one would you which one do you find better to play with? Which one worked better with you? Well, I played I played with Mick, um, and the, the thing was with Frank, I played golf for him, and I couldn't play football with him because he's a bandit. So I'd have to say I'd play with Mick because I know there's going to be some trouble that Mick would yeah. get us out of it. You know, true. Yeah, true. So, which which man which manager is going to be leading this eleven you've picked now, Joe? This which is the best man? Well, I'll come to the manager, manager. At, the, at the end. At the end, Marv, if I can, I'll come to the manager at the end. But I want to give um, me number okay. twelve, right? Me All number right, twelve. Okay. A young lad who was my apprentice at uh, Hartlepool United. He went on to play. Uh, he signed for Liverpool and he played for West Ham and Everton and Liverpool, obviously. And he's Scottish international and scored at Wembley against England or Scotland. I'm trying to think. He scored an absolute worldly at Wembley for Scotland and they beat England 1 0. He's one of the best broadcasters on the telly here in England now. Does it uh, abroad, it gets live. Um, he's a gated lad. Haven't been biased toward the North East. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. And he paid for who? Hartlepool. He went from Hartlepool to Liverpool and then. From, from there, he went to West Ham. He still lives in London now. But he played for Everton. Tall gangly. Tall gangly. Could score a goal and make a goal. Scored goals for fun as well. What? From midfield. From midfield. They were Jimmy, Jimmy Redknapp at Liverpool. The pair of them were the two young lads in the middle of the park. His nickname's Ducky. Played at Luton. Oh! In his late stages of his career, he played at Luton. He was still no. the best player. Um, did he play for West Ham, did he say? Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, Don Hutchinson. Don Hutchinson. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Now, Hutch, right? I'm not being funny. He had a fabulous career, but and it's went on now to do his broadcasting. He talks so much sense. If you get a chance to tune into him, listen to him because he's brilliant on this uh, panel that he does. But he's such a great lad as well. And we were together um, when I was like, I was head boy at uh, Hartlepool. But we, I used to give them a lift back home. And what I used to do, we used to stop at the garage mob and get like the sandwiches and the crisps, the chocolate bars and the drinks, whatever. And uh, they'd come on my drive, right? And when I'd get out the car to get the bags out for them, because I was daddy running around making them biscuits and tea in the morning and things like that, they used to throw all the fucking rubbish on me lawn and then <laughs> laugh like fucking driver. away. <laughs> That's what it's all about, isn't it? Yeah. So I'm yeah. going to say, I'm going to do me 13 and 14. Right. Um, one, I lived with for over 11 years. And two, was arguably up there as being one of the hardest men in football. Vinnie Jones. Is correct. Yeah. Is the hardest man. Who do you live with? No, Vinnie Jones. Vinnie Jones. He lived with Vinnie Jones. He lived with Vinnie Jones. Yeah. He is. For 11 years. What was that like? Well, put it this way. Uh, 
it was interesting. Uh, you know. <laughs> they kidnapped you, did they not? Yeah. He kidnapped us from when I was in a townhouse at uh, Chelsea and I was living in, in Beaconsfield, which was a lovely area. It's where the it chairman lived, Mr. Bates. You know? And I loved Mr. Bates. And everybody hates him, but I actually loved him more, you know. Um, he employed us twice when I went to being on the management team with Dennis and uh, Gus Poyer at Leeds United. And Mr. Bates was like, he, he gave us a job, you know, when I needed a job. And I loved him to bits. And it was like, when I used to get it, well, I'll come on to that in a bit, but when I was with Ken Bates, um, I went in and he went, where's your agent? When I went to sign for Chelsea, and I went, I haven't got an agent. He went, well, you need an agent. I went, well, I haven't got one. He says, well, how much do you want? I says, well, how much do you want to give us? He says, well, what do you want? I says, well, what? He says, I've never had a player come in here without an agent saying what they want and all that. So I was due to sign for Middlesbrough, right, on a grand and a half a week, which is good money back in them days. And in the end, I ended up coming out of Ken Bates' office on two and a half grand a week and half pissed on red wine. And he took us back in the Rolls Royce. And it was like one of them in the Beaconsfield. So I went to the townhouse and uh, Vincent Peter Jones come and he went, come on, son, you ain't staying here on your own. You're coming with fucking me. Now, if you've ever seen Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels, you never turn that one down. <laughs> and uh, it was just a case of, uh, like, we never had one argument in the whole of our lives. I was like uh, head usher at his wedding. Um, his beautiful wife, Tanya, passed away. Uh, it was like my mother. She was absolutely superb. Uh, but Vin, Vin was just like, he was like a brother, you know. And uh, I'll never forget the times we had together. You're the one, the hardest man in football. Uh, he was just the hardest man in football. He played for Sheffield United and Newcastle United. Oh, my gosh. Yes, he was. And Oxford. Did he play for Oxford? Yes, he did. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, that he's probably one of the only players I feared when I was thinking going onto the field that I'm playing against him today. That <laughs> I could get, the, I could get hurt. You weren't the only one, Mob. We were like that in training. <laughs> Andrew, no, we beautiful man. No, go on, Mob. BW. Billy BW. Whitehurst. Yeah. Billy Whitehurst. Yeah. Terrific. He, Terrific. He is. I took his place at Newcastle one day and uh, the, the stamp of the guy, the wolf's come, the stamp of the guy, uh, he sat down next to us in the dressing room and it was the day I scored in the number nine shirt and he held me knee, held me hand. He went, you're going to be brilliant today. You're going to do this. And I was taking his place. You know, what, what pro would do that these days? Yeah. They'd, be sniping, mm. they'd be sniping in the players' bar, saying that bastard there is playing, I'm better than him, we shouldn't have him. That wasn't mm. a, this is a guy that's he's from the streets, but I tell you what, his heart was as big as a lion, and he was one of the, the greatest lads again. They're my friends. Uh, I just want to give you the, the best coach first before I finish my manager. Yeah, uh, oh, by the way, I had Vinnie Jones and I had Billy Whitehurst because of one reason if we lost the game, we're definitely going to win the fucking fight. Well, with Vinnie, Especially Billy with Whitehurst. And Big Jack. So, my best uh, coach, um, I've had a few. Pop Robson was an unbelievable coach for me. Uh, but the one that had more uh, foresight and uh, it was way ahead of his time, it was one of my coaches, well, the coach at Chelsea Football Club. He also was manager of the Arsenal and worked under Terry Neal. He went on to manage Arsenal. Well, he was caretaker. Houston? Nope. Stuart Houston, he said. Stuart Graham's era. 
He was, in, he was involved in England for a little bit, by the way, in 1990 with Sir Bobby. Oh. He lived up your way, St Albans. Yeah, Arsenal. And he was at Chelsea, was he? Was it Chelsea, he said? Yeah, he changed a lot at Chelsea. When he spoke, everybody listened. No, Don Howe? Is the right answer. Don Howe. He was miles ahead of his time. Yeah, he, he was. was the one he that was. grabbed the hold of Sir Bobby. When, the, when we missed the penalty, what the missed the penalty, he grabbed a hold of him and gave him a cuddle, shook his hand, an absolute gentleman and a wonderful, brilliant coach. He was fantastic yeah. at Arsenal and he was brilliant because when he spoke, everybody listened. He was Don't different. Know, really. yeah. So we'll come to the manager. Yeah. Well, you know, I was like this, didn't you? Tell Somebody him. knows fuck all about football. <laughs> yeah. Joe Allen, I'd be manager. And now fuck all about football. Is that you pick him? Is that how you going Sorry. for, Joe? Are you putting yourself as manager? Joe Allen. Joe Allen's manager. Put him down. His name's down. It's done. Yeah. Marvin, over to you. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, Joe, you and, you and I have spoken on the phone a couple of times. I, I mean, I know roughly what you, I mean, you're doing, helping out with your dad full-time. But just for our listeners and uh, the teams you play for, just tell us a little bit about what you're up to now. I mean, you do do a little bit of after-dinner speaking and stuff like that as well. So, sell yourself. Yeah, I've, I've done um, after-dinner speaking now for about 25 years. I mean, I don't know if you realise, but I've done all this off the cuff. Uh, but, um, you know, I'm about... You know, I'm about as funny as the theory, but because of the pandemic, everything stopped for like 20 months, but it's all starting again. And uh, and I love doing it. Uh, I love it. I've always been known as the, the joker in the pack, the joker in the dressing room. Um, but the thing is, the stories I've got, I don't like talking about me. I like talking about the players and the lads and the managers and the supporters, everybody like that. And and I get enjoyment out of it. Um one, because I know I can do it without being big-headed. But two, uh, I, I like doing it because people are getting entertained in a way where they're not going to know because these are my stories. They're not anybody yeah. else's stories. They're from my heart. You know, I can, talk, I can start talking about my dad and my mum start crying. Them, them doing their shit because they know that the emotion's there and they're there with us. And I can feel the love, you know? And I love that. But I also love the fact that I, I can always finish... Um, like we're going to do now with people's askers, Marv. Um, I mean, please ask anything more. But people mm. say, who, who's the, the biggest character that you've ever been football with? And, um, you know, you've got Anthony Jones's Gazzas and all that and Mick Hoffman's and Frank McAvenny's. And, and I, I look and I look and I look and I look. And I'm, oh, yeah, got you. His name's Stan Hillhouse. Yeah, say Stan Hillhouse. Who's Stan Hillhouse? I was, well, Stan Hillhouse used to stand, right? on the ticket office at Hartlepool and give the tickets out to the, the guests. So he was like Penfold. He was about five foot four, national hot glasses, right? Hartlepool suit, tie on, gravy stains down his shirt, but uh, carry on down there. Anyway, he was twin-toned with Mussolini and Adolf Hitler. Because if your name wasn't on the door, you were not getting a ticket, right? So my me fa- me father went in one day and he went... All right, Mr. Allen, how are you doing? Your Joe's doing all right. Then he's 34 goals up to now and there's still one game left. I think you'll score today. I backed him. Oh, and he went, thanks. He said, your usual seats up in the mill house end. Go and sit up there. Enjoy the game. Lovely to see you. So my dad stopped and started tying his shoelace and there was a big blonde lad behind him. And he went there, hi. He says, I'm guest of the board of the Sunderland Directors. He went, all right. He says, I'm in the director's box. 
He says, listen, mate, he says, it's, it's Hartlepool, not Liverpool. He says, there's not a director's box. He says, the porter coming. He says, well, he says, no, he says, I'm Bob Murray, the chairman and owner of Sunderland. I'm his special guest today. He went, now, what you'll have to do, son, right? Your name's not there. You'll have to go down the mill house stand, round the rink end, down the back of the Greyhound Stadium. It'll cost you £12 to get in. He says, I don't think you realise I'm the world record holder for 1,500 metres and I've just won the Olympic mile. My name's Steve Cram. And he went, well, it'll not take you long to fucking run round then, will it? <laughs> uh. <laughs> That's brilliant. That's absolutely brilliant. So he, yeah. you reckon that, and by the sound of it, you, you love your supporters. You love doing things with fans and things like that. And as you say, it, that's, and comments like that, he was a fan. Um, the yeah. And that's what it's about. It's about... Also a friend, Andrew, and like he'd be there making the tea and I'd go in and help him with the tea. And uh, the, the people there, the good people of Hartlepool that bestowed that honour on me, people like him, you know, and I'll, I'll, I'll take that to the grave. I'll be happy with that. Fantastic. Excellent, Joe. Fantastic. So, well, um, I just want to say on behalf of my best 11, myself, Mark, thank you so much for your time, Joe. Um, and it's that been my will, pleasure. And that was Joe Allen's My Best 11. 